Hey everybody, this is Johnny Liu from The First 100K and today I'm here with a friend of mine, Paul Han, who started a nice company called uh, Knack and his goal is to deliver happiness through coffee. So we're gonna explore uh, with him what it's like to start a company, what it's like to start a company here in Rhode Island where the startup scene may not be as robust as say Boston or New York, which are just only an hour and three hours away. Uh, and also about his trials and tribulations in hopes of learning some lessons that will help you get started um, and avoid some of the pitfalls as well as really embrace some of the successes that he's had. So Paul, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Johnny. this crazy story because you started out as a financial advisor and you were doing some Medicare like what we're doing and yeah. you know, I went into Medicare to be an entrepreneur and you came out of Medicare to be an entrepreneur so walk me through that process how you got first you know how did you get started and and what was that experience like for you so um, yeah it's been a wild ride um, I don't think my experience is uh, the typical um, experience um, and I, I would say being in sales, I did feel like an entrepreneur. I, as you know, you have your own business. You, of course, I mean, really have your own business. Um, but um, I had been with Northwestern Mutual and I had my own clients. Um, so, so I was, I guess, following that entrepreneurial path. But uh, for me, it was really, uh, I mean, a dream that I had. But that just gave me the inspiration where I woke up one morning and I kind of just felt like, you know, hey, I'm gonna run with the next business idea that I have. And I really felt, um, I think like everyone else is, hey, we all have some great ideas, and why didn't I follow through? Or, you know, why can't I actually just move the ball? And um, really because of that dream, I woke up and I said, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and it's been amazing. I mean, you really learn that it's it's um, really our, our own minds that stop, uh, you know, ourselves from actually. So you've been thinking about having company. an idea, you had an idea and you've been thinking about starting a company for a long time. What was the actual tipping point? Uh, really being, I guess, tired of, of kind of feeling like, you know, I've been talking my whole life. I mean, it's just not me and it's, um, I mean, it's the world. Everyone talks about good ideas and to actually execute on them. Um, I mean, it takes a lot, but I started to question why is it that I couldn't just execute and, and you know let's just push this idea forward and see what happens and so um, I thought I had a pretty good idea and then what was the first idea that you had in terms of uh, the evolution of this company so I was getting my wife a cup of coffee and um, it was December 2013 they stopped serving pumpkin and I didn't know what to get her so I got her the next seasonal flavor and came home with it and it didn't go over well and I just started thinking, hey, why is it that we don't know how our friends take their coffee or, you know, our spouses take mm -hmm. their coffee and... Friends with benefits. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have clients and I just started thinking, 
uh, how, how nice it would be to actually know how someone takes their coffee. And um, so that was the, the sort of the original idea and then it just started to evolve. And what was the life event? I know that um, we won't go into too much of the, of the details if we don't want to go there, but in terms of a major life event that just changed your whole perspective. Um, yeah, it was, it was the passing of my, my cousin Tom. And uh, before he, he passed away, we talked about you know, starting a company. And it really wasn't, I guess, about the two of us starting a company but as much as, um, you know, he was transitioning out of hockey and I, and I wasn't aware of his mental illness and we were just exploring ideas. And he would always say, hey, you know, we need to execute, execute. And um, uh, after he passed, it was really tough. Um, I mean, if the world got the best of him, it was like, how am I going to make it through this mm. you know, over the next 60 years? Uh, he was an incredible person. Uh, but yeah, it was a dream. Um, so it was like the, in your face, tomorrow's not promised. What am I going to do today? Yeah, I, I think over the, you know, it was the two years uh, after he passed away, I was doing a lot of searching. It was just, you know, you started to question everything you did and the purpose and um, you, were, you were looking for answers, really. And uh, for me, it, I mean, I consider myself to be lucky that um, this dream sort of happened where um, yeah, he, he started to said execute, and I woke up and I just started to uh, you know recount all of the the, um, the times we we spent you know exploring ideas, and um, I just woke up and I said, all right, uh, I'm going to run with this mm -hmm. the next idea. That and I you had. had no formal training in terms of startups, no. you know, doing financials. I mean, you were in financial services, yeah. business. I, I help clients with with their companies, but. Um, no, I mean, what, what changed sort of for me in that moment is I became really passionate quickly. And um, I became very confident that, hey, you know, or at least comfortable with, hey, you know, I can move forward with an idea. What's the mm -hmm. worst thing that can happen? And um, sort of the mental image that I had in my head was I'm going to push this boulder uphill until I hit a wall. And if I hit a wall, so be it. I'm going to find another boulder, and I'm just going to start to push it. It's going to take some work, but um, eventually I'm going to see that, hey, you know, there's no wall at the mm -hmm. end, and, and maybe this thing can start to go downhill and, and build, you know, some momentum. And um, for me, it really was actually the first idea. And um, I do find that investors, I mean, they, they're not buying necessarily ideas. They buy passion. And... Um, if you have the most passion in the in the room, you're going to be doing the selling. And so they're buying you. Yeah, they they buy you, not the idea. And um, you know, as you start to learn more about the marketplace, uh, you're going to realize that hey, the idea needs to evolve. Mm. The, the, the what what you think of um, in those first few months, I mean, it's not going to be the end product. So, and you you've raised a significant amount of money from investors. Um, being somebody that had no prior startup experience. Nowadays, we hear all about entrepreneurs who want to start a company. They sort of get going a little bit. They don't know who to talk to. They don't have a Rolodex. Hmm. How did you go about uh, getting an investor, convincing them that you were the person that, were, that was going to do this idea? And you're in a market where there really is no market. Hmm. You had to create a market. You had to create credibility. Walk me through how you did it. Um, so the first thing I did is actually at my company, I talked to one of our wealth managers who had some really, really um, uh, experienced clients. Um, and I asked actually one of my coworkers, I said, I have, a, I have an idea. I need to learn how to build a business and, and monetize this 
this idea. And um, he was nice enough to actually give me a name and a number um, to uh, a former uh, Providence equity partner. And um, uh, I sat down and had a coffee with him. How did you get that first meeting? Um, what was the script like? What was the email, the phone call? It was, uh, so it was actually a phone call. Um, he was aware that I'd be reaching out to him. It was a, it was a referral. Um, yeah. And he just, uh, you know, our wealth manager said, uh, you know, hey, Mark, this guy's got an idea. Um, I think you should hear about it. And in fact, uh, I didn't even tell my coworker. He didn't even ask what the idea was. He just, he knew, um, at least by looking at me, that I had something I was really passionate about mm -hmm. and uh, I needed to talk to somebody. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we sat down and, um, uh, yeah, right off the bat, he actually said, to me, Paul, wow, I wasn't expecting this. Um, he, he was, you know, going to give me some pointers, but he, he really started to believe in what I was sharing with him. Uh, and that gave me enough confidence to continue just to, to push the idea. And uh, we agreed to meet, you know, a few weeks down the road. He said, you know, you need a business plan. You need to figure out how to, you know, how are you going to take this thing to market? How much money you're going to need to get a proof of concept, things like that. And um, when you have someone who, uh, who's done it before, and they're interested in what you're doing, or at least saying, you, you know, this is what you need to do to get to, uh, you know, uh, to, to point B. Um, and you have their attention. You don't want to lose it. Mm. And it gives you enough passion to go home and say, all right, let, let's figure this thing out. And um, then we met again, and we just kept the thing going. How long did it take you from the first meeting until you received your first investment? Uh, so from the birth of the idea was uh, December. Mm. Uh, I had my first meeting actually uh, January 28th and um, May 15th I basically closed funding but didn't get funding till August. Got it. So it took about eight months. Yeah, which I think um, is not typical. Um, I, I had um, a few breaks, I think, but um, I, you know, I, I, I during this time, were you still working as a financial advisor? Were you? What were you doing? Um, I mentally left work in January. Okay. I checked out uh, completely, and um, I, I physically left work in May. Um, and actually, my investor he had said, "All right, Paul, can you do this thing full time?" And I, you know, I don't want anything else going on. And little did he know, I mean. I had already left my work, so I had no job. That was that, a, that was an easy decision. Yeah, it was. It was my. You know, I was all in. Um, and uh, yeah, it was in February. I actually had started the company. I went down to the Secretary of State office and filed the paperwork, and that was a commitment to myself. You know, it's like, all right, I'm gonna start a company. And the the fascinating thing is that you have a wife, two kids, mm -hmm. and a mortgage, and you had expenses versus a lot of the people that we see start businesses where mm. they're young, they're scrappy, they don't have you know, any loans or they don't have any bills to pay. Mm. So what was that experience like in terms of uh, how am I going to feed my family if this thing doesn't go well or, or how do I balance work-life integration, spending time with my kids, building the company, and uh, having time for everything? Yeah, so at that time I, I was... I was married and I quit my job. Still married, right? Yep, still okay. married. And I quit my job when um, actually the, really like the day my wife told me she was pregnant with our first. Wow. So um, I, actually I kind of found out really like 
uh, was it before or after you a, quit few, a few hours like after i quit my job <laughs> but um yeah it was it was really i mean i, I was all in and, and i look back because my, my wife is so conservative and doesn't like to take any chances at all um and she was okay with it and and she never um yeah she she never beat me up and and for it it's 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 kind of remarkable how i just you know, sort of had the confidence. And I kind of pulled that all the way back to that dream where I was passionate and mm -hmm. I said, all right, this is going to work and nothing really bad can happen from this. I mean, even if, um, uh, I mean, we went to some debt. I mean, most of the world's in debt and, and that's just the way, the, <laughs> the way the world works. So um, I, I figured, hey, if I don't do it now, I'm never gonna be able to do this. And, and now four years in, you're here, you're alive, the company is, thriving, you've got a couple of great team members mm. you're designing. So tell me about the newest version of of Knack, what it's gonna do, um, what is the idea evolved into? Um, so we went from coffee preferences to this coffee gifting, uh, from like peer-to-peer -peer gifting. How many times did you pivot? Uh, I'd the say way? there's there's like two to three major pivots. Mm. Uh, going from the coffee gifting to um, I'm sorry, the, the, the sharing of coffee preferences, this coffee run tool to this peer gifting, um, that, that was one big pivot. Um, I, I realized that sharing coffee preferences wasn't going to be enough. Uh, it was maybe a secondary feature, but um, it wouldn't be enough to get you to open the app every time uh, you're in a coffee shop. And that's what I started to look for is, is what do I have to offer so that every time you're in a coffee shop, you need to open it. And mm -hmm. that was really this peer gifting, but this what we call random acts of coffee. What if there was a coffee here in the digital space for me to claim? And um, uh, then we started to have companies approach us saying, hey, we want to do this. You know, it's this like Pokemon Snap for coffee. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, the, this, this virtual reality type play and um, companies started to approach us saying, hey, we want to put out coffees. Um, and I got excited. Um, we realized we needed to rebuild the platform for the corporate user. Uh, then I brought in some folks from MIT and they helped me to rethink the product. And we started to realize it was an app for free coffee. That's not what we wanted to be. I mean, the whole vision from the beginning was an app uh, for kindness. And, and that, so you could do you know, pick, buy a cup, cup of coffee for somebody. And it quickly became the app for free coffee. Um, so now we've sort of changed that uh, Pokemon Go feel. It kind of brings out the wrong um, instincts in people. Or, or um, uh, so, so we now use coffee codes. And they're, they're a lot like promotional codes. And um, what companies are doing now is actually they're giving you two coffees, one for you and one to share. Mm -hmm. Or even in some cases, just one coffee, a coffee for you to, to share. So we're, we're hoping that people start to talk about the app and they say it's the app for sharing coffee. And we, we do see ourselves moving outside of coffee, but um, we're gonna be in the coffee space for the foreseeable future, so. Got it, so in terms of the initial gut feeling that got you to start the company was for spreading kindness. I mean, that this yeah. is just a platform to be able to go out there and um, have people bring out the best in people so that they can mm. share, they can build a community, they can, go out there and of course for sponsors to market and to spread more goodwill. Now, mm -hmm. has that changed? Um, no, it's actually, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's always been about the kindness, about being able to do something nice for somebody. Um, it's, it's been about, you know, giving. 
Uh, and if anything, um, these latest features that we that we've incorporated into the app, um, it's just promoting um, uh, the giving. I mean, it's uh, there aren't there are many gifting apps out there, but there's nothing that I'm aware of where um, they say, "Hey, John, you know, here's a cup of coffee. Share it with a veteran. Mm. Um, here's a cup of coffee. Share it with a teacher, uh, with a friend you haven't talked to that would love to hear from you during the holiday season." And if brands can help you to, do, to, 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 you know, if they can sort of sponsor that kindness for you, right. uh, make it happen, I think it's going to make you and, and certainly the recipient feel that much better about the brand. So can you share how, how much traction you've gotten? Um, I can't just yet. Um, if you ask me next week, I could tell you. Um, we have a lot happening this holiday season, and um, we have a lot of big companies on board, and... Um, uh, but we're not looking at it as you know how many downloads we can we can get at this point. Um, we're, we're really focused on on just getting um, as many large brands um, you know sort of on board um, to be gifting throughout the year, mm. um, and we're we're still fine tuning the product because everyone has their own sort of use cases. And uh, after each meeting, it's hey you know they all come up with their their big ideas and how they'd like to leverage our platform, so. Now, how did you attract the, um, the right people? Because I know when you have a startup, right, in the beginning, you're new, you're interesting. Um, a lot of times you get a lot of the wrong attention, which can waste a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, I know that when you first started, you know, product was so important because you had never built a product before. And now finding the right product people to be able to leverage that um, so that you can go out and focus on what you're really good at, which is the selling and the, mm -hmm. and, and, and promoting the vision. How, what was the process like for you to attract the right people and how do you engage them? And how do you, because chances are talented people, they're always in high demand, a lot of entrepreneurs mm. out there. Uh, how do you get somebody on board? How do you convince them um, of your vision and oftentimes to work for um, less than what a big corporation would pay them? So I, I, don't, I don't know that I have the answer to that yet. I'm, I'm getting closer. Um, I, I've, I've sort of gone through a number of consultants, um, and, and I, I, I spent, I mean, six, almost eight months just searching uh, for, for like a product manager, someone to rethink this product. And um, I, I certainly found her. Um, but, uh, you know, sort of getting plugged into the MIT network was a big step. Um, How long know, did it take you? <clears throat> to get plugged in, as in um, how many years into the company? Um, well, I, I'd say actively looking, you know, it took me six, six to eight months. I mean, mm. I, I was in, I mean, I had fun, funding, um, but it wasn't going to come in until I found the right talent. And I thought, you know, if anything, finding money would be the most difficult thing, and it, it, it's finding the talent. And so many people will approach you and they want to help. Um, everyone wants to be involved with a, a new startup. Right. Um, they could be very passionate about your idea, but um, you really want to find someone with experience, like not only um, uh, helping you to, to sort of shape the idea, but I mean, build the software and to build it in such a way that it, you can actually sell it. Mm -hmm. um, like, what is the exit strategy? So, what advice would you give to um, startup entrepreneurs who maybe passion? vision-oriented, but know very little about the technology side of things? Um, what I would 
first, I mean, tell them to do is um, I mean, try to validate the idea and um, tell all of your friends about it. And um, I, I've had so many people now approach me and say, I have an idea, um, I, I can't tell you about it right now. And, you know, I laugh because, you know, you have to tell everyone about right. it. And no one's going to steal your idea. And it, it takes a lot of passion to move forward with it. So um, really vet the idea. And, um, uh, you know, so many of my friends helped me to build my arguments or at least, you know, help uh, me to deliver a pitch to investors. Um, you know, your friends are going to give you a million reasons why you can't do it. Um, why it won't work, and if you can kind of work through some of that and, and, and find the answers, and um, uh, it's going to help you to, to, to tell your story. And um, um, I forgot even what your question no, was. No, it, it's good because you, <laughs> you, you get into this train of thought um, but about getting started, about how yeah. a non-technical person. Why yeah. do you start a technology company? Because everything nowadays, it's yeah. a technology company because yeah. that's what you're leveraging, right? Because in the 40s, the, you know, you were leveraging labor, right? Yeah. It, it was the, uh, well, even earlier than that, it was the, the railroads and the, the oil barons who coordinated labor. So technology was middle management, right? That was the technology that was introduced. Mm -hmm. Now technology is, um, you know, then it used to be desktop applications, and then now it's um, web-based services or app-based services that's going to mm -hmm. help you connect basically be platforms for marketplaces um, for the most part or social networks or, or whatnot so I mean everybody is leveraging that but not a lot of people have the capabilities and oftentimes what I find is that it's very rare that you find a person that understands both technology as well as the sales because tech because very technical people tend to be not as good as sales mm -hmm. in communication versus the best communicators that I know are the most disorganized people that I know. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being able to balance that and attract the right people and, and, and if you're on, I think a lot of people that are going to be watching this are going to be more on the um, entrepreneurial side of things. I have an idea. I want to get started. I don't know how to get started. I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to find the people, the technologists, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see what your journey has been, and I think that, you know, it was a pretty good train of thought. Yeah, it's a... Um uh, really, get, I think getting that business plan, which is no one, I mean, wants to do. Um, I mean, what did the what did your initial business plan look like? Was it how many pages was it? What were the key components? What categories did you really focus on, and and why were they important? Um, so, so my my first business plan was done. I mean, it was all wrong. Um, it was actually product focused. It was like it's going to have this feature and that feature, and it was just really me. I mean. I was very passionate about this idea mm. and all the bells and whistles that could come with it. And um, uh, but before I actually sat down with investors, I was you know I, I went online and learned about business plans and you know really what they look like. And so I had to scale all of that back and say, all right, how are we going to get to market? And um, uh, you know really what are the costs and um, how can we validate you know uh, our product and, and market fit? And um, yeah, I mean, the big one is how are you even going to make money? Um, so many companies now, I mean, especially now post Twitter, mm. you can't just say, oh, if we have a product, a bunch of people, you know, if it sounds good, a bunch of people will get on and use it and we can sell ads and it just doesn't work. Um, you really have to be able to make money off of this, off of your app. And so um, 
people are investing in this space, they're not interested in investing in an application that's um, you know, going to make them $10 million, $20 million. There really is no market mm -hmm. there. Um, so if you want to start a $10, $20 million company, that's going to be a lifestyle company. Yeah, yeah. Very hard to find funding. You better bootstrap yeah. it, get loans. But I mean, in terms of what you're envisioning your market size to be, what, what's the market size? Um, I mean, you, you, everyone has dreams of this unicorn. I mean, mm. multi-billion dollar company. Um, and I mean, without a doubt, we could get there. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to think. I want to go back to this interview and be like, all right. Yeah, no, you, call, ha call, you have to think it. big. And I have trouble sometimes thinking that big. But when you get in the room with these investors and they look at the piece of the company that they're going to get. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean. In, for, in, Investors that you talk to, what's their expected return on investment? Um, is it the standard fifty percent year after year compounded for you know similar to what VCs want? Or no, I mean I think they look at this as like a um, you know part of their portfolio. They're not um, in investing in like you know two hundred startups. They might uh, grab a dozen or even just a half a dozen per year. Um, and you know it might represent uh, a half percent of their portfolio um, in terms of the, the the capital that they invest, but um, the, yeah, they they just know that hey, if this thing if it hits, got it. So it's almost yeah, like it's a gamble for them. Yeah, it's either I mean it's hit or miss for 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 them, and um, it has to be big enough to warrant I mean the risk. Mm. I mean it, we buy uh, uh, lottery tickets for two dollars. Uh, yeah, it's the mean, rich, rich we, we, we don't ask what are the odds for this yeah. and what do we expect. It's just they know if it hits, it, it's gonna, um, it's gonna pay out. So, so how do people use your app now? Um, so right now we're, we're we're strictly focused on the corporate use case. We're about to add user gifting, so uh, users can't do a whole heck of a lot. Um, but they can download it now. But they can download it right. and. Actually, what we'll we can do is I can give you a coffee code to share. Okay. Um, and and uh, yeah, you can put that up, and users uh, or viewers can type in that coffee code. They'll receive a cup of coffee, um, and they'll see what the experience is like. But um, uh, you know, different companies are going to be sharing these coffee codes throughout the holiday season. Mm -hmm. um, these codes, you might get them on you know a random act of coffee card. Uh, you might see them on social media. You might see them on a billboard. Uh, but you type in the code, you get a coffee for yourself, another coffee to share, and um, yeah, we're, we're excited. Neat. So I think that's a great. Any any other advice that you would give to entrepreneurs? You know, one key takeaways. Uh, it would be to, um, I mean, to, to it sounds cliche, but to dream big, and um, know that only you limit, you know, the, the possibilities for yourself. Um, you're you know, your mind is the, your biggest barrier. Um, and, it, you know, if you just can knock down those mental barriers, uh, your world is going to change because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, anything is possible. And my life will never be the same regardless of, you know, what happens with, with NAC. Um, I, I've, re you know, uh, I've, I've realized. You're going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, for life. Um, Good deal. So that's exciting. Good point to end on, Paul. Thanks, Thanks John.